what we have now is something different from what we had before that's been redefined with brain injury being a big part of that definition but I don't want to feel that it defines us. He's still here and I'm so grateful for that but he isn't the same as he used to be. His essence is still there, absolutely. It's important to acknowledge the sadness mm, as definitely. well. Definitely, and, and yeah. feel it when it yeah. comes up. Every now and then it will catch you. It's, it, you know, it is, yeah. it's grief, isn't it? it and is. sometimes it can be the smallest things. As well as the love, and I think this about any relationship, mm. is also the respect, actually. For any relationship to continue and to be successful, there has to be love, but also respect of each other. You know, we're still here. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Hector, as well. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to On A Good Day with me, Elizabeth Callahan, And me, Julia Ajayi. This is the podcast which delves into brain injury and its impact on all involved. You've got us on this episode, Julia and I are going to be looking at some of the lessons we've learned since our husbands had a brain injury. I recently marked five years since Paul had his stroke and it's really got me thinking about how life has changed, how he's progressed, how we've all kind of changed or our whole family has within that time and how different life is. Isn't it, Julia? And actually, Julia and I are together today in the same place, which is really exciting. We don't often get together. So it's been, it's so, so great to have you here. So thanks, Julia. Yes, it's wonderful to be sitting <laughs> next to you, Elizabeth, as we're talking. And it's now been 13 years and four months since Hector had his brain hemorrhage. And so there's been a long time since then and, mm. and lots to think about in terms of the impact of that on myself and my family. And I think one of the things that we're going to reflect on today is is that difference in time as well. Mm. And we both bring that difference to our conversation, don't we? So I think there's so much to unpick. Absolutely. I see Julia. It is. I kind of see Julia as a kind of slight oracle of what's to come or, you know, how your situation is. And, and we're all so different. Our journeys are so, so different. Every brain injury is different, isn't it? Going back five years, I mean, I can't believe it's been five years since it's happened. A lot of that time was just a complete haze. I think I spoke to you quite soon after Paul was ill, not, not very soon, but at, at least a year or something maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. So I'm not sure about being an oracle because as you, <laughs> as you say, everyone's experience is different and families are different and people are different, aren't they? But, but one mm. thing I think that we both have in common, which is actually something that I know is is quite difficult to achieve is that we've maintained our relationships with our partners up to this point and that's actually something that is often very challenging after one partner has had a brain injury so the fact that we are able to talk to each other today sitting next to each other you know in your family home and having come from my family home I think that is an achievement and it's not always possible for everyone I want to acknowledge that as well mm. because um, often the situation and the changes are very difficult and don't mean that that can happen um, but for both of us I think from where we're sitting today that's something to celebrate 
Yeah, absolutely. There have definitely been times, uh, you know, if I'm honest, where I felt that things could, couldn't continue. Definitely been moments where I've been, I can't, you know, I don't know if, if we can do this anymore, how we can make it work. But yeah, I feel we're in a slightly different place now. I remember, you know, Sarah Chalice, who I think she's on episode seven, was talking about the complexities of being with someone, caring for somebody who's had a brain injury. It is, it is extremely complex. And, you know, five years ago, you're thrust into this life-changing situation. And at the time, you don't know how your life is going to change. What I did know five years ago was that Paul was very, very sick. He was in intensive care. I didn't know if he was going to live or die. Nobody did. And, you know, it wasn't until a week when after he was in intensive care that we got that news that he'd had a stroke after they'd done a, a brain scan because he was there for a completely you know different reason um, to do with his heart so at the time you just keep going you keep going to the hospital you're managing so much stuff I had two small children who were two and six at the time I think she was five actually she wasn't even two they were nearly two and six you know super young and that really kept me going they were just you know, the light in my life that I had to keep going, I had to keep my routine, I kept their routine um, in those difficult days. Not knowing, I guess, just how things were going to change when he woke up and how difficult the communication would be. And then him coming home, there's so many different stages, isn't there? And you know, I know our listeners will be at really different time points in their journey with, with it, with brain injury. But certainly when he came home, I remember my daughter was so excited about him coming back. Yay, daddy's coming home. And I kind of think she felt like he was going to be the same daddy that was going to be back and everything would be back to normal. And as we know, they're not. They're not. No. And I, and I think in a way that's the story of the the journey over the last five or, or 13 years, isn't it? And mm. I think that it's made me uh, use the word normal very differently because actually what we have now is something different from what we had before. But actually we have something that's been redefined with brain injury being a big part of that definition. But I, when thinking about this, feel strongly that actually whilst it, is a huge part of that journey that has changed our direction completely. I think, uh, you know, in life, in work, as a couple, as a family, and it affects all of areas of our life, but I don't want to feel that it defines us. It doesn't define us completely because in those 13 years, we are still our own people mm -hmm. and we've done things and had experiences and done things on our own and shared things that we may not have done had we not been in this position. Um, some good, some not so good. I don't want to be wholly defined by it. So and I think, I think it's incredibly, incredibly important that we don't because it's something that's happened, but yeah, absolutely shouldn't define who we are, who they are, who they are as a family. I even said, you were saying to Paul the other day, you know, he does dwell on it a lot. 
And I think that's kind of the difference is he's, he's made great waves of progression from not being able to talk properly or walk properly to, you know, living a life where he can do stuff. He can feel some, some purpose. He can help out with the children, but he does have a tendency to dwell on, on what has happened. And that's kind of moving through that. He still hasn't had that acceptance. And I was like, look, just forget you've had a brain injury. <laughs> just try to, you know, just kind of move on. There's so much comparison. I have definitely been through that stage. You know, I would say probably the first three years of that brain injury, I was slightly in denial keeping going keeping going keeping going okay he's and and you can see in that time you can see the progression there are leaps and bounds to, to start with obviously everyone's different but with paul he was doing so so well he was getting really good rehab with the community team and then actually then covid hit and mm. i think that had a, a big effect he wasn't as getting as much help he felt you know he was categorized as vulnerable. So then he was not doing as much as he usually did. I was very busy <laughs> homeschooling two young children. Mm. Everybody remembers those days. Yes, they did happen, trying to forget them. And then coming out of that and then seeing everybody else again and thinking and just really missing that person and that life that I had. And I think it really hit me when we came out of kind of those COVID times and started seeing lots of people again. And I remember just being at a barbecue, actually. Paul wasn't there. He didn't want to make the, the journey over because it was quite far. I wasn't feeling great. I was chatting to some of the other, you know, my friend's husbands and just thinking, oh my goodness, like, Paul's just not, doesn't help out like dads do or husbands do. And he, can't do certain things and um and it made and it really made me well it really made me sad i guess that 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 person was lost i'd lost that aspect of him yeah i i don't know if there's something about barbecues because <laughs> i seem to remember a barbecue as well and and i don't know whether it's barbecues are quite complicated ways to get together but there's it or maybe it's the sort of you know the gender roles are often prescribed with people doing barbecues, but um, yeah, I, I, I seem to remember uh, a feeling as well, and I've, I have it on other occasions too, of being quite alone, I guess, mm. and, and seeing other people with partners who will take the lead on things and that kind of frustration of having to, to ask or direct, but then Sometimes some people say I have to do that anyway, so I don't know. But I, I do think that yes, that's that's hard to have lost. And I think the the main point there is about really grieving some of the yes, loss certainly. and um, how you then move on from that and assimilate, um, you know, assimilate the changes mm. so that actually grieving as a process allows you to move on I think that the it feeling does. sad yeah actually also brings an acknowledgement of the mm. situation and that allowing yourself to grieve that in fact allows you to move on oh god Julia that's so true it is so true 
um, you know, I felt like I hadn't, there was this constant kind of denial. And then I kind of hit this part of my life. And I was like, suddenly all hit me at once. I've lost my husband. He's still here. And I'm so grateful for that. But he isn't the same as he used to be. His essence is still there. Absolutely. But every now and then, you know, I, I guess I look at wedding photos. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, take a moment. Yeah. And it's hard in moments like that, isn't it? But I know that the way that you approach this is also that actually that isn't what you think about all the time because mm -hmm. you do so much. And, and mm. one of the things that we talked about was how we define ourselves through that too. Mm. So actually thinking about work and you're back at work now, I'm back at work, mm. might be working in a slightly different way. Yeah. I'm in a different, mm. different kind of role or, or with a different emphasis anyway. And um, yeah, I, I think that it's important to acknowledge the sadness as Definitely. well. Definitely, and, and yeah. feel it when it yeah. comes up because yeah. it will, you know, every now and then it will catch you. It's, it, you know, it is, yeah. it's grief, isn't it? it and is. sometimes it can be the smallest things. Mm. And actually what you get about, you know, what you mentioned about being, feeling lonely. And I know, you know, a lot of, you can be in the greatest relationship and still have moments when you're lonely as well. But I feel, yeah, often it, it, there will be that slight loss of that same wing person that you you had previously and they're still there it's just readjusting those roles and that really can take some time to embed in I mean obviously we're still quite young in that five years on 13 years on how have you found those kind of bedded in well I've now known Hector for longer with a brain injury yeah. than the time we had together wow. before. So that feels pretty significant. Very significant. Um, but actually, I do always feel he has my back. So he is my wingman, which is, and I, and I think that um, Paul will be yours as well. And I think that time does allow that role to be redefined, you know, as our roles have been redefined. And I think that Something you said earlier, which is a word that I want to use again as well, is that the essence of him is still the same. And that's something that I remain very, very grateful for mm. with Hector as well, um, that, that he is the same amazing person that I fell in love with. And actually, although his capabilities have changed, mm. um, actually, his essence is still the same. And that means that we can find different ways to um, support each other and for him to be the wingman. And he's redefined that role. Um, and it's not necessarily knowing that the coleslaw needs to come out of the house at the barbecue <laughs> or that the chairs need arranging in a certain way <laughs> or all of those other things, whatever it was that was frustrating, but actually being there and And the love is still there and the love is still there, right? Yes, as well as the love. And I think this about any relationship mm. is also the respect, actually, mm. that, that it's 
for any relationship to continue and to be successful, there has to be love, but also respect of each other. And so I think with the changing roles and different um, capabilities of each of us, you know, not only of Hector, of myself Mm. as well, that actually a mutual respect has to be maintained and has to grow into Mm. those new roles. Because I I actually, I'm not sure that love is just enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not enough to keep it together, to keep it related. Like you can love someone and not be with them, right? Um, And I will, you know, always love Paul, but sometimes things can get, there's a lot of, can be a lot of conflict when living with someone with a brain injury, particularly in our case, because, you know, Paul was always quite a a, a dominant, combative person. And that has definitely been possibly accentuated since his brain injury. So often there will be, you know, times of conflict. And again, that is normal in any relationships. But when you put communication issues on top of that, it can be really challenging. And processing and and executive functions and planning. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I think that comes back to that point that we were saying before that many relationships don't survive. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do want to say that 13 years, four months, I can't say how many days, I'm sorry. I I don't don't have it down to that, uh, that timeline. You know, we're still here and well done thank you (laughs) (laughs) well done Hector as well yeah Um, and the children and the children but things do change you Mm. know time as we know with any situation time makes changes time does we all change heal a brain injury um it doesn't heal it it doesn't make it go away um but it's I think time has brought lots of healing for the way that we deal with it and you know when i when i see our children who were five and ten just five and just ten when hector had his brain injury the way that they've moved with him and we've moved as a family through the stage that your children are and through difficult teenage Mm. years and i think that they have become closer Mm. that's lovely both to each other as siblings and to, to Hector. Well, I have, and, yeah. And to me, actually, I feel that. Yeah. And uh, that's wonderful. I mean, gosh, it's great to say that, actually, because I think we are coming out of the other side of, of uh, you know, all of those teenage years, my youngest, certainly. And, and I'm just so proud of both of them and how they... Um, how they are. And I think Serena talking about the kind of compassion that she learned through going through that experience. Um, I can see that with my two. And I think with your two, you'll be able to look back uh, when they're that age and see that too. They are so great, actually. I can really see particularly the eldest really being so caring at times and looking out for him. And sometimes Paul will walk a bit slower than us and she'll stop behind and take his arm or you know you can just see it's really 
help strengthen their resilience and make them stronger mm. as a result. And yes, yeah, Serena, you refer to, she's our, our previous episode in episode nine, like so many takeaways from that and how she feels it has made her a better person because it's made her more compassionate and empathetic towards people. It, it is reconnecting, You're, you are reconnecting with somebody. Yeah aren't you yeah they're they're slightly different and that does take time um and with the children as well so paul had really because i had been doing so much with the girls he was in hospital for a year well 10 months had take you know it just been us we've been our little gang of the three of us for so long us three girls and then him coming back you know it was very very different at the time not being able to do a lot either so, you know, I would say, you know, there was two years where he kind of wasn't really, even longer than that, maybe, connecting very well with the children. So they would just come to me and then he'd get annoyed. He's like, oh, it's always mommy, mommy. Like the frustration. I mean, he still has so much frustration. And that's really difficult for, for partners to handle, really. It really is. Um, because he can remember who he was, but he's not quite there. and. You know, there is a slight jealousy that I can do stuff and he can't and he used to be the marathon runner and now I'm running and doing stuff and he's like, well, I can't run anymore. Like he does focus on the negatives and I would say, firstly, it's great he's reconnecting with the children. I've seen a real shift in that since I went back to doing some freelancing. So not being here all the time or as much and him having to step up has really helped him, empowered him to do things because there needs to be some purpose and there needs to be meaningful things for him to do. And that's a great thing for him to be able to, you know what, you sort out their teas, you take them to swimming, occasionally that happens. I mean, their hair never gets brushed or anything, but you know, there are things that he can really connect with them, you know, read stories with them, talk to them a bit more. And so that has been really transformational in that respect in uh, that connection. Yes. And, and I think it was for us when, um, when the children were small as well. But again, now the children, my children are older, Actually, of course, they don't need that input anymore. You know, they put themselves to bed, they maybe read a book. Um, but yeah, so that so those purposeful activities are actually not available mm. in the same way they mm. were. So I think that some of the questions for me have been, uh, you know, how do we replace those? Because I think we, when we were talking earlier, you were saying how you feel that is still improving that you're still seeing improvements um after five years and i think that's a real message to to our listeners as well mm. that improvements continue for so long um Absolutely. i'm not sure i would say the same actually mm. um 13 years on mm. uh however i do think that all of the strategies to help our loved ones continue to improve and that they themselves are making um, are just as important because they're needed to maintain that progress mm. and the position that they're in, you know, as, as we're now getting older um, and, you know, 
signs of aging are starting as well. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's really important to be as active in thinking about all of the strategies that you're now using with your younger so, ones. And also, yeah. I mean, many people, of course, may not have children in this situation. Um, and so there's other things that people are, are doing to bring in all of those different ways of finding the purposeful activity, keeping the conversation alive, positive risk taking, mm -hmm. continue, I think, to be important throughout the journey. So are those some of the strategies you're using? Yes, I think that for Hector and I, we both make a real effort to keep in touch with friends. Mm -hmm. um, we go to see people, you know, we have a change of environment. And I think for me, that's really important. Um, and for Hector as well. Mm -hmm. And and actually, before Hector was ill, we both supported each other in doing things independently. And we still try and do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's become I think at times it's been difficult for me, especially after his seizures. It was difficult to to allow myself to go away and also to think about Hector having that time to himself and um, you know, kind of suffering the the sort of effects of projecting what might happen if I wasn't there. Um, but actually now I think we both recognize the importance of those times. And still, like you say about you being back at work and Paul stepping up into those roles, I think it's the same too, you know, still being away and having charge of the house or deal with situations that, of course, need to be manageable mm. and risk needs to be managed. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's not as straightforward as it was. But I think, yes, those strategies still remain important. And it's good for me to be reminded of them because I also think that as time has moved on, mm -hmm. it's been very easy to let some of that go yeah. and to fall into that trap that I never thought I would be of just being a bit too complacent and just and, and picking up and doing things mm -hmm. that actually with a little bit more time and effort I could support Hector to be doing. Yeah. And I think that's something that I need to be really cognizant of as we move through with time. Yeah. Okay. Because otherwise it doesn't give him the space to step in, to step up, to do, and for us to jointly do things together. And take some of the load off you as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, often, and, and Paul is doing, a, a, you know, more of the cooking and, I mean, the other day he emptied the washing machine and whenever these things happen, it's, you know, there may be some things to clear up. You know, food is all over the floor. <laughs> a hundred pounds have been used. And then, you know, he's hung the washing up in really random places, like wrinkled, you know. So, you know, it does take a bit of redoing sometimes, but I have to give him credit for doing it. And at least he is recognizing that the washing machine has finished and and emptying. And actually that's a big thing. Like the dishwasher, you know, emptying that, not breaking too much stuff. Um, not always. Yeah. Um, breaking stuff. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but also I think, you know, with 
thinking about our roles in that, that means that you have had to think about letting go of some mm. of that stuff. So what if the clothes are wrinkled? You know? Well, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Difficult because then you've got to get the iron out and it makes twice as much. But at the same time, which are those things that actually we can hand over, we yeah. can delegate yeah. and where, where are our priorities? You're juggling. I feel like I juggle a lot. We, we do. We do. You know, you're looking after, you may be looking after children, you're looking after another person, caring for them. You're looking after the house, you're doing work, you're doing, a, you're doing podcasts, you're doing other, you know, projects. So yeah, life is, is busy, but also take time for you as well for the, for the carer. Yes. Yeah. And certainly we have to make sure that we keep going um, <laughs> and in the best way possible. Looking sort of where we are now, I think the key thing with Paul is, you know, that there is lots of things that he's improved at and he's connecting better with people, with friends, with the kids, with me a bit better. It's actually digging into community ties a little bit more. And now what I'm really finding five years on is kind of the emotional sides and the mental well-being. him now realizing and having that acceptance about what you can and can't do and getting used to this situation and and for you know absolutely us as well and that definitely comes bit by bit and I, I wouldn't say I'm 100% there but I am starting to feel a level of acceptance now about the situation about Paul being Paul now and mm. not comparing him, you know, mm. we all change, we all change anyway, right? I have definitely, this experience has massively changed me. Paul's, you know, brain injury, it has brought about different aspects of him or it's highlighted certain things. It's kind of navigating that and how you react to it as well. And I'm not saying I always react to it wonderfully because we definitely have moments, right? Let's get real here, have moments when it is difficult and there are challenges. Absolutely. I mean, we had a moment yesterday, you know, moments, <laughs> mo moments carry on, but also moments are part of life, aren't they? And I think mm. that's, you know, whilst of course it's, uh, those moments are challenging because of brain injury, I would say, um, and some difficulties of communication and miscommunication. I have a role to play in that as well. It's also how I'm reacting, how I'm dealing with the situation, how I'm trying to take over or redefine something or use the wrong words. Um, and it's then how you deal with those moments. And it's figuring it out and, you know, being kind to yourself. It's that's it's OK. We're not going to get it right all the time. And that's OK. And it's being kind to yourself and to each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Because actually, that that's where the relationship is, isn't it? It's it's our relationship with ourselves, but it's also if it's going to last, it's our relationship with each other. So it's being kind to each other as well. For sure, absolutely. Oh, Julia, it's been such a pleasure, and there's so much other stuff that we can get into, right? 
I know. I think <laughs> we've only just going. started. Kind of scratch, stra- scratching the surface on this one, really. Yeah. That's for another episode. Yeah, and hey, five years on, we can come back to, uh, you know, seeing where we are then. I mean, what I will say is there has been a great deal of progression. And if you're in that place at the moment where you are finding it really, really difficult, time does help. It is, there is so much going on because you're caring with for somebody that is struggling with lots of different things, physically, mentally, and so are you. And so are you. So yes, be kind, because it is a process for, for both of you. And if you've got family for them as well, and taking it step by step, and helping them as much as you can. And your reaction to things, there's a lot going on, but just know that I have found from my experience, and that's all I can really say for because everyone's different. Things are starting to get a little bit easier in some ways. <laughs> it's always different. like to start with, it was really challenging. Everything was all over the place. And now it's, it's kind of more his relationship with himself, I suppose, in some ways, and his mentally getting his head around who he is and how he can go forward in life and finding his, finding his path because it's what he used to do has changed. So it's redefining who he is. And in a way we're redefining who we are. Yes, your path together. And when I look back over 13 years, now I do just want to, to finish up by reflecting on the wonderful friends, family, mm. new friends yeah. uh, that we've made mm. and wonderful experiences that we've had and fulfillment at work in the area that I work in in disability, which is a new area for me, but one because of my lived experience feel um, so passionate about. And I think that a journey is is a good way to describe it. And someone once told me that um, safari in Swahili means journey. Mm. And it feels like a bit of a safari, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's been it's that. been a good one, and I'm pleased that we are sitting here today, able to talk in the way that yeah. we are. Yeah, it is really important. You know, I have to say, talking about it does really, really help. And finding that person, you know, I'm so grateful. I've got Julia, and I, you know, do hope that we are. Well, I know that we are helping others. To, to connect in some way um, and do reach out if you've ever got any questions or anything you can find us you know instagram on a good dot day you know you're not alone and i think that's one of our goals behind this podcast is helping others to know that there's others in a similar situation you're not alone and it's okay to feel stress sometimes it's okay to feel challenged it's all completely normal um, and don't feel you have to be a saint the whole time and there are lots of good days even if it might not seem where you are that there are many but there are good days to come and they are possible absolutely they will come again yeah absolutely well thank you so much for listening to on a good day as i said you can find us on instagram on a good dot day we're also on twitter on a good underscore day 
please share this with others. We're a brand new podcast, so we want to get this out to as many people as we can who it will benefit. Subscribe if you haven't already. Take a screenshot of this episode if you found it useful and share it with your network. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. And until next time, have a very good day. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.